What's up, party people, and welcome to season nine of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, if you are so inclined. Don't feel any need to follow me on either one of those things. I've got a buy me a coffee set up on Romancing Nancy, and I've also got a Patreon set up under Indy Nickerson, but again, you do you. It's totally cool. This podcast is basically as though your snarky and possibly slightly tipsy friend who is deeply into Nancy and Ned as a couple decided to tell you all about the stories that she's been reading. For this week's episode, we are returning to the 80s. So we are back in October of 1987. So the Cold War is getting colder by the second. This one is called Never Say Die. And we're going to start with a description of the cover, which BT dubs, I believe that we have discussed this before, but... The Nancy Drew covers of, like, number six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like, they were fucking rocking it. They were doing some good shit. Like, I'd slap somebody in the face to own those covers, like the original paintings. This, I don't know. I, I don't know the names of most of the people who illustrated them. But this one, Nancy has got shoulder-length blonde hair. Like, we ain't even pretending that she's strawberry blonde in this one, y'all. You can just shut up. She's wearing... Like, this style of shorts has actually come back. They're like the dolphin cut, so they kind of go up at the sides. Of, and it's she's wearing, rocking some Barbie pink. So she's got Barbie pink shorts with, like, this white stripe up the side. And then she's wearing, like, this pink and white sweatshirty, mock turtlenecky, windbreakery looking thing. Probably just a sweatshirt. But anyway, got, like, miles of long legs, so you know Ned's excited. She's glancing over her shoulder at a dude who is grinning with a bike, and she is holding a bicycle program that generically says, Program Bicycle. In the background are two bicyclists who appear to be having some sort of fracas. Um, and funny enough, like, the, the actual color of the cover, if you're looking at the text, is like this medium blue, and then it's got, like, the Barbie pink as an accent color, so good work with the eyedropper in Photoshop. She said, meaning nothing. I think in 1987, Photoshop had just been invented. This one. So I haven't really talked about this before. In the files, they do this fun thing that I noticed in Perry Mason books when I was reading them as a child. Um, Perry Mason books would have like a list of damn characters because it'd be like, we know that you can't keep all this shit straight. Let's do little character bios at the front of this book so that you can just glance back at it and go, oh, yes, he's the one who inherited all of his family's money. This one is here to tell you that. And I, when I started buying the files, I would completely fucking skip this part. Like, I was like, I, no, let's just dive in. I don't need to know any of this shit. But anyway, the case. Find out who's responsible for the deadly accidents to George during an international bike racing competition. I have some editing notes. It's fine. Contact Stephen Lloyd, handsome young owner of a successful computer company and George's racing sponsor. From here on out, we will refer to him as Bill Gates suspect we got three of them we've always got three people listed here even if like the first or second person is eliminated almost immediately like through death or some sort of terrible accident or like just clearly not being involved like maybe they were a cat and then at the end of it we've got complications which normally involve some sort of romantic entanglement like Bess is getting close to the main suspect or George has a crush on this person and Nancy is not okay with it or Sasha Petrov we ain't there yet we're not there yet. You should be thankful. Anyway, there are three suspects in this one. We're going to get to it. It's fine. Um, we're 
this book is about, so it's about bicycling. You're like, clearly, based on the cover. So the fun thing about this is that, first off, the ghostwriter who was handling this, I get this is 1987, so some of this stuff would not have been public knowledge, etc. But this ghostwriter did not give a legit shit about several things which are discussed in this book. And I don't know if it's that she was, or he, was given an outline and said, hmm... Or if they were just kind of interested in these things, but didn't know enough to really do anything about it. Because I'm going to go ahead and say this, like, there are two main plot points, plots going on in this book. The first one is that George is competing in the, what is it? I don't actually fucking care what the name of the thing is. Um, She's competing in a cycling competition. It's like the World Junior Championships or some shit, because of course George is 18. So I guess junior and that she's not Olympic. IDK. We're also going to have to circle back to John, who you may remember from Murder on Ice. So if you need to, pause for just a second, glance back at that one. But we're, we're going to talk about him again. He pops up in this one, despite the fact that we haven't really mentioned him since. It's fine. It's it's totally fine. He was in rehab, but he's doing better. Um, for this one, George is competing in this competition, which, oddly enough, is being held in Summitville, which is a neighboring River Heights, a town that we will never mention again. It exists only for the purposes of this story. Much like at the beginning of any book, Nancy and her friends respawn and don't remember what happened in any of the previous books. Some of Vildas never pops up again. And then there's something else that one of the characters mentions. They were like, oh, I was seeing somebody in name of fake town. Like, <laughs> I mean, cool. Just call it Springfield. Just every, every single fucking state in the United States has a Springfield. It's fine. Like, just, just go for it. No big. So that's the, that's the overarching plot is that George is competing in this cycling competition and somebody apparently has it out for her, which since it's close to her heights, Nancy's like, this is odd. Usually this only happens when we're on vacation. The other thing that's happening with Bill Gates is that he has a computer software company, as you have figured out, and he has a break-in, and his computer program is stolen. He's like, it was all on this floppy disk. Imagine my face. Just imagine it. Imagine the, the terrible scrunching of my face. He was like, the program was only on this disk. And I was like, well, that's dumb. It should be backed up to several disks, and they should be in safes. Just various safes, including at your own home. The other thing that happens is that, like... Whenever he puts the disc into the computer and tries to open whatever's on it, it's just a message saying, I want a million dollars. And, of course, I looked at that and said, huh. I put it into the inflation calculator. That's that's a hot 2.5 now, y'all. 2.5. Like, yeah. Inflation's a bitch. So, also, Cold War. So that's what we've got. George is in this competition, and dude had his software stolen. He had no backups because he's a dipshit. Um, also, after the software is stolen, he's like, they they say that they need a million dollars, and then they will give me the disc back. And I was like, sure, honey. Um, did you maybe think about they might copy it? I'm I'm just saying. I'm I'm just throwing that out there. Just and he's like, of course not. And you're like. Okay, so we're in this place that looks kind of like Earth, but it's not actually Earth, so that's fun to know. Okay, so the book opens with Nancy, Bess, George, Ned, and John, which I'll go ahead and read the little bio that's given in this book so that you know who the fuck I'm talking about. Some of you are like, as previously implied, um, Nancy's standing there, Ned's 
her boyfriend. Remember, remember in the previous book how Ned was just described as her occasional date. And I was like, I'm going to burn the world down. Yeah, he's her boyfriend. We're back. We're back, y'all. Um, Nancy's kind of freaked out that George is so deeply into training for this thing. And you're like, pot kettle, honey, pot kettle. You get deeply into shit all the time. So it's okay for George to do that as well. It's all right. Um, Nancy's watching George, who is going around the track. John's there. And Nancy's like, George has always been competitive, but she's just pushing herself so hard, and this is so weird. Um, the other thing that happens in this book is that George is jealous of disc bikes, which are bikes that have, like, instead of spokes, they have a literal disc on the front, maybe also the back wheels. The front illustration indicates that it's just on the front wheel. I don't know enough about bikes to tell you shit. So imagine, it's just got a plate that's just on in the front wheel. It's fine. Um, and then George is like, they slope forward, and that makes you more aerodynamic. And Nancy's like, sure, that's fine. But George doesn't have enough money for that. Um, Ned's like, why don't you ask your sponsor for a an expensive bike? And George is like, no, no, it's too expensive. I, I, he's, he's done so much. He built this velodrome, which I meant to look up how I should speak that, but I'm just going to call it a velodrome. I guess it comes from velocity, so we're just going to go with it. He played for my skin suit. I I hate everything about that phrase because it sounds like he might be a serial killer. Slash, maybe he knows one, like artisanal skin suits made from only the finest of human skin. Uh, my entry fee, even John's coaching. Here's a side note. Remember how, you're like, no, I don't. Remember how at the end of Murder on Ice, like, George and John were getting super close and she was like, I understand him like nobody else does. And then he like drops off the face of the earth for the next like 15 books. It's fine. Um, and now he's popped up again. That's not 15. It's close though. Um, yeah. Her sponsor is paying for John to coach her. I was like, this was not a thing that he wanted to just volunteer. Oh, okay. I'm sure if you can get it out of him, it's fine. Um, John was the perfect coach for her, Nancy thought. He was an experienced athlete, a former Olympic skier, so he not only knew how to win, and you're like, sure, but he knew how to handle setbacks, too. Weird note to end that sentence on. Thinking back, Nancy remembered the ski vacation on which George and John had first met. I'm going to pause here. Because Nancy respawns after every book, like, I always have questions. Nancy's not specifically described as 18 in this book, although, you know, she's 18 for this entire fucking series. So you're like... Is it like Groundhog Day? Like you keep repeating your 18th year, except for you never have your birthday. Like Narnia, it's always winter, but never Christmas. You're always 18, never get to celebrate your birthday ever again. Um, So it's kind of weird that way. Like Nancy can never think about what happened last summer because last summer never happened. She just keeps respawning. Back then, she I'm quoting again, John had not been the easygoing guy he was now. Because we've got a new ghostwriter, y'all. He had been withdrawn and bitter, believing himself to be responsible for the death of another skier. But Nancy had proved that it wasn't true in a case she privately called Murder on Ice. <laughs> We're getting all met up in this bitch. Now John was much happier and more optimistic. And you're like, having proven that you did not kill somebody during an amnesiac episode, I think that might improve anyone's worldview. I don't think you're wrong about that. Uh, right then, as though invoked, Stephen Lloyd who you will know as Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> although I guess a younger Bill Gates, he's in his late 20s. So Nancy's like, of course, he's a, he's an actual legit grown up with millions of dollars to spend. 
Um, another male was with him. He was tall, even taller than Ned, because Ned is the yardstick by which we measure all of humanity, literally and figuratively, with red hair and dark green eyes. And Nancy didn't know him, but because of the suit he was wearing, she guessed that he was an associate of Stephen Lloyd's. He was carrying a disc wheel bike, which he sat down carefully when they reached the group. And so George is like, oh, is that a... And then she names like some brand, which I have, again, I know zero about bikes. And she's like, is that a what's it? And they're like, yeah, it's, it's so fantastic. Bassetti... One of the finest track bikes made. I'd love to have one like that, George sighed. You do. It's yours for the duration of the classic. I had it thrown over from Europe by Air Express. I've got follow-up questions. It's like Christmas morning. He's like, go on out there. And she's she's so excited. She's practically flying. I was like, please tell me she's wearing a helmet. <laughs> she is. The, the text actually mentions that she's wearing a helmet. Um, world junior champion is the title that George is going for. World junior champion. That sounds like afterward they will take her to Wendy's and get her a junior frosty as a treat because she is world junior champion. When you're a big girl, maybe we'll drop the junior. You can be world champion, honey. Anyway. Um, yeah, so they're watching George go. She's doing fantastic. The seat of the bike needs to be adjusted and peter's like oh I'll, I'll handle it and john's like no no i got it i got a wrench of course you got a wrench girl why sure sure again i know so little about bikes that it's possible that anybody involved in bikes just carries a wrench around at all times um they describe the women's three thousand meter individual pursuit which i was like sure uh, for all i know all of these are completely legitimate like of course, they do pursuits and weird races where you try to go slow and then as fast as possible. Yes, all of this is reasonable. There are two things for which I remember this book. The first is the solution to the mystery, which I did not get when I was nine years old. I was like, oh, that is fantastic. The second thing is the thing that's going to happen later. I'm really excited for you to hear it if you have not already read this book. Anyway, um. George wins. Um, there's Monique Vandervoot from Holland, who is the current world junior champion. So she has been to Wendy several times. She's gotten several Frosties. Maybe she has way from the back of a convertible while wearing a sash that has rhinestones on it. Maybe all of that has happened for her. Um, she holds the record for the event. George just broke it. So she's pissed. She has like short, like white blonde hair, close cropped white blonde hair, I guess for aerodynamic responsibilities. George is thirsty. She goes to the refreshment tent and the Nancy and everybody stays behind because they're not thirsty because of course George just won a fucking grace and broke a world record. Like y'all need to respect. But anyway, there's a fire. Like people start shouting. Nancy runs toward the fire because that's how she rolls. She is determined to just smother things with her own body. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. They go toward the tent. The tent has collapsed around George. Nancy gets inside the tent and helps George get out. Like she manages to shove her through the tent nancy dropped to the ground lifted the canvas and rolled out too she needed fresh air fast nancy ned swept her up in his arms and began to run with her reader listener yes you know you know i'm here for this shit you know it. she clung to him gratefully maybe there was a discussion of banging later but it wasn't until they were far away from the smoke that she finally felt safe. I'd be like, you were in Ned's arms. Of course you felt safe. He is he is a redwood made of love for you. Thanks, she whispered her heart, hammering as he set her down. Any time, Ned answered tightly. Mm-hmm. 
I love that choice of adverb. There was anger in his eyes. He hated it when she risked her life, but there was pride there too. That's right, bitch. This is my girl. Is she going to get badly wounded one of these times? Fuck yes, she is. Am I going to be proud of her? Fuck yes, also. So, um, Nancy looks around. She sees signs that it probably was arson. The Summitville Fire Department has just arrived. The chief is like, we don't know what did it. It could have been a cigarette. And you're like, yeah, 1987. Welcome to when you could smoke anywhere for any reason, Mad Men. Um, Nancy's like, the support lines are down. And they're like, maybe the fire burned through them. And Nancy's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Nancy's trying to figure out what the fuck, like, why that would happen and then george reaches into her windbreaker that she found a note in her pocket and it says quit the classic or else a few minutes later george is like i am going to go back to my hotel for a swim (sighs) okay remember how we talked about how like you need chapter and cliffhangers for every single fucking chapter although occasionally nancy will end a chapter with and now my last suspect has been eliminated so i don't know what the fuck to do which legit but anyway George leaving to go for it back to her hotel. First off, like Summit Villa is a neighboring community of River Heights. Like, why is she not just staying at home? No big. Well, I can tell you why you're about to find out. But, um, yeah. Nancy's like, I'm going to follow her just to make sure she's okay. Because George receiving that threatening note was not the end of the chapter, y'all. Um, Nancy's wondering who could have engineered the tent fire slash collapse. And she's like, maybe it was Monique. She was mad that George like broke her record. She's wants to defend her title. Cause she's been like glaring at her. Like you're going to get it. And Nancy's like, is she tell me everything? Anyway, uh, they go to the pool at the hotel where again, George is staying for like zero logical reason. There is a woman who is from the Soviet Union because we're in 1987. Her name is Tatiana. Um, She's also competing. She's friendly with George. Like, they talk a lot. But then George tells Nancy that Tatiana's, quote, chaperones are KGB. <gasps> okay. For those of you who are tiny, um, the KGB is the Russian... CIA basically and so they would have been there to make sure that Tatiana was not lured by the promise of sweet sweet capitalism in the Americas yeah also they were known for being murderous so Nancy's like maybe they were mad at George for reasons but anyway they tell George to stay away from Tatiana they're like you were interfering with her you are a dirty American and George is like suck it suck every part of it um then George goes up on the diving board, dives into the water. Just then, Nancy noticed a cord trailing into the water. At the end of it was a radio, and it was plugged into an all-weather socket on the side of the cabana. Nancy leaped up. George, don't dive, she screamed, but it was too late. As she yelled, George bounced off the board and went soaring into the air. George dives into a pool, which has a radio inside it, which Adam's Family Values taught me that this is how you kill Fester. Your radio needs to be holding Time Life's 100 Most Romantic Classics on cassette to do it also we're gonna need a light bulb anyway um so nancy freaks out she's afraid that george is gonna die in the water she dives into the pool to help her friend even though she's pretty sure the pool has been electrified and when she gets in the water she's like i'm not dead so and you're like of course not you're not gonna die in chapter three you might need to be resuscitated in like chapter 15 but anyway um she's like george don't don't touch the uh, the metal ladder to get out of the pool and oh my fun 
Nan, you dope. Don't you remember anything from physics class? I have several follow-up questions. Nancy and George took physics in high school. So many follow-up questions. When that radio fell in the water, it shorted the fuse. We're not in any danger. She said, remembering Debbie and Adam's family values. Oh, really? Nancy said, what if the fuse didn't blow? Do you want to take that chance? George eyed the ladder uncertainly. Well, I guess not. Neither do I, especially not after what happened back at the velodrome. We've got to figure out a way to get out of here. And you're like, you just boost yourself off. That's, that's fine. Um, Nancy goes over to the radio and unplugs it. <laughs> and crisis averted. And then she opens up the back of it and she sees that there is a penny in the place of the fuse, which means that the fuse would not actually blow because it's a penny now. And Nancy's like, what did I tell you? If you touch that letter, you'd be dead right now. I'm going to be honest with you. It's been a hot minute and I do not know if I've ever known if this would be true. But again, Adam's family value says it is, so it's fine. Um, George is like, that's the second time today that you saved me from a disaster, which you're like, yes, the tent falling on you and trying to smother you to death with smoke, and also now the pool trying to electrocute you. <laughs> so, good times. Um, Let's see. George goes into the next race. The disc wheel bike is one that, let's see, it she doesn't use it for this one because the sprints apparently don't accelerate fast enough. They are as though if you are playing Mario Kart, you are playing with one of the heavier players, like possibly Donkey Kong or Bowser. So it takes you a while to build up momentum. Like once you get there, you're good, but it's not good for sprinting. So this is the thing where they like kind of go so slow that they're standing still and then they go and it's good and everything's fine. George rides around holding her hands up in a V for victory. And I'm like, that's how I know that you're advanced level. You took your hands off the bars. Um, they go to leave and they spot John making out with some chick. Good times. This is what separates the files from the mystery stories. The mystery stories would have been like making out. What are you talking about? Where this book is like, yes, they were making out and it was hot. <laughs> anyway, uh, John immediately is like, get off me. I told you to get off me. And everyone's like, what the literal fuck? Like, oh my God. Cause they're all there. Um, Ned is back in the stadium waiting for John because he, John is staying at Ned's house. So super awkward. Um, but anyway, Nancy, Bess, and George see John macking on this other girl. Her name is Debbie. Because of course her name is fucking Debbie. Of course it is. Um, she and I used to go together. And I was like, this so firmly plants this in 1987. Oh my God. Because this is how we would have referred to it when I was in school. We went together. We go together. Go together. John, we were practically engaged. Debbie wailed. Used to, George repeated. That's right. We were both on the U.S. team for the last Winter Olympics. Debbie was a speed skater, not a skier. We were very happy together, too, Debbie added. They did a TV story about us and everything. And you're like, did it involve ice dancing? Then one day, someone sabotaged the bindings on John's skis. He took a terrible fall and banged his head. After that, John lost his memory. And you're like, yes, honey, we remember book three. And he disappeared. I thought I'd never see him again until today. And you're like... Um, so you knew he lost his memory and you were like, I'm just going to see how it plays out. <laughs> no big. So George is like, you didn't tell me anything about this Debbie chick. And John's like, there was nothing to tell. Like we dated. It, it wasn't, we were definitely not engaged. She's just real weird. And so George is like, oh, okay. Here's the thing. 
Immediately, Bess is like, dump his lying, cheating ass, which I love because Bess is very much the kind of person who, whenever anything happens with any of her past boyfriends, is like, he's a good person, though. So, Nancy doesn't exactly know because, of course, Ned has overlooked a lot of her infidelity, so... Um, also... Debbie apparently is in a station wagon with a cage in the back, and Nancy's like, is she a police officer? Like, what the fuck is that about? And John's like, oh, no, her family raises German shepherds. At that point, I had several questions. First off, why do you have the German shepherd vehicle? Second, do you live close enough that it made sense for you to drive the German shepherd vehicle instead of any other more conventional vehicle to this location? Third, what? (laughs) Just a lot happening. Um, John tells George which again is really weird when you say it, it's fine, Um, that after he regained his memory, he wrote to Debbie, told her that he didn't want to see her again, and she's apparently just disregarded that advice and decided that she's going to launch a campaign. She's she's running for re-election. She's going to put up some billboards. Bess is like, he can just go straight to hell. Um, the next morning, Nancy's sitting at the dinner, t- at the breakfast table, and she's having strawberry pancakes with her dad. She's telling her dad everything that's happening. She's like, what should I do? And he's like, um, tell her to drop out. Tell George to drop out of the race. And Nancy's like, what? And her father's like, there there have been two serious threats on her life. Like, she should stop. It's more important for her to be alive than to win this race. So the other thing that happens that morning is that he gets a call from Bill Gates. that says, my office was broken into and some things were stolen. And this is when the computer software is stolen. Again, remember, he had it on one floppy disk, and that's how much it is. Greetings, Mr. Lloyd. Your software program number 5240-A has been stolen. Pay me a million dollars, or it will be sold to another company. Instructions will follow. Have a nice day. I like that the embezzler slash extortionist slash saboteur, however you want to define him, and I'm saying him, sorry, um, has been like, have a nice day, though. Like, I... I need you to understand that I need you to look beyond this current tragedy and have a nice day. If there had been emojis possible, I believe that there would have been an emoji at the end of this. Nancy's like, a million dollars. How does this prove it was stolen by a freelancer? Okay, so whoever did this smashed the doors, like disabled the security system, it like Jimmy the locks, things like that. So there's a lot of signs too. Somebody broke in from the outside. And Stephen Lloyd's like, first off, if it were done by somebody within the company, they wouldn't have needed to break anything. They would have just walked in and done this. Second, they would just take the program and sell it to another company. Like they wouldn't tell me that they'd done it. They wouldn't ask me for money because this program by itself is going to be worth far more than a million dollars. So it just doesn't make sense. Like, it has to be somebody from outside and somebody who is not in this field. And Nancy's like, okay. But she she doesn't really buy it because she doesn't really understand it. Um, also, Nancy's like, so, I mean, it's encrypted or something, right? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm the only person who knows the password. But clearly, if somebody was able to put this message onto this floppy disk, they broke the password. And Nancy's like, so, inside job. Because, so, okay. They ask all the employees. Nobody knows anything. Nobody's seen anybody. Um, And Stephen, Bill Gates, is like, if I can't recover this program, which, again, 
what makes you think that he can't just copy? Because clearly if the disc is blank, then he copied it over to another disc, which means he can copy it over to a third disc. He's like, if I don't get that program back, like, I don't know if this is going to like tank my company. When, sure, sure. Okay. So Nancy tries to convince George to drop out. She best tries to convince her to drop out. John tries to convince her to drop out. She absolutely will not drop out. She's, she's just really like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick to it. I'm not a quitter. I'm not going to let anybody, you know, do anything bad. Um, Peter, who is the assistant to Bill Gates, is like, oh, the there's a, a reporter from the Morning Record who is here to interview you. And I was like, Ann Granger. But it is not Ann Granger. It is some other random person. They take some pictures of George with her bike. Nancy is talking to Ned, and she figures out that something weird is going on. And she looks over, and a massive metal pole is falling toward George. Nancy screams. Um, she can't like move quick enough to do anything about it but Ned had already broken into a run his long basketball player's legs and I'm like he plays all the sports bitch anyway his long basketball player's legs churned at blinding speed yes in a second he had tackled George and the two of them were in a heap on the grass five feet away George's bike was also clear of the pole that's that's thankful the pole crashed to the ground narrowly avoiding the reporter who looked at it and then fainted so that seems appropriate so Nancy goes over to inspect the pole. Like, she's like, Ned, take care of this woman who's passed out. I, I'm going to go see if I can catch the person who did this. And, of course, she can't. And when she gets there, the pole has been unbolted from the footing that it was attached to. And Nancy's like, yeah, someone's 100% trying to kill George. Like, there's no other explanation for this. Like, you could say that the tent thing was somehow an accident. You could say that somebody accidentally threw that radio in the pool. But, mm, no, this is this is very direct. They can't find anything. The reporter doesn't have any pictures that reveal anybody back there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, good place for a pause. Okay, so the next thing that happens is that all of them go out to, for pizza, and George refuses to quit the race. John's like, I think you're going to have to quit the race. And George is like, fuck that shit. No, you just want me to quit and stay home and so you can be with Debbie. And John's like, no. And anyway, so they have a fight. Um, Bess is like, yeah, bitch. And so she gets into it. And that's like, don't encourage. And so everybody's fighting. Nancy's just watching all this because Nancy's just, she's not exactly popcorn.gif at this point, but, um, George and John go out in the parking lot. They have some sort of conversation. They hug. George looks happy. Um, she's turning back to her car and all of a sudden some headlights turn on and a car comes toward her trying to run her down. John manages to get her out of the way of the car, so neither of them gets hurt. Everybody runs outside to see how George is doing, and George is a little bit shaken, of course, but the back window of her family station wagon has been busted out, and somebody was clearly trying to get to her bike. So, um, somebody says, well, why would they have tried to do that? Like, it, did somebody try to break into her car to get to the bike? And if so, why didn't they steal it? Did they... Were they trying to intimidate George or frighten her or or try to sabotage her chances in the race? Did they say, oh, well, if I get her bike, that'd be good. But if I run her down even better, like they can't figure out what's going on. But anyway, um, Nancy decides that she's going to run back to the hotel where all the players are staying and start feeling hoods of cars. And so they do that. And of course, everybody's staying in marked parking slots so that you know who's in what room. Um, and the engine on Debbie's car is white hot. So Nancy goes and bangs on her door and is like, Debbie. 
And Debbie's like, what, what? I was trying to sleep. And Nancy's like, bullshit. You were just, you just tried to run down George. And Debbie's like, first off, I didn't. Second off, if I had wanted to, I would have followed through. Like, I wouldn't have just tried. She'd be dead. Nancy's like, fuck you. Um, anyway, so Debbie's like, well, I was with friends. So I did not do this. But know that she deserves it. Um, yeah. So that's fun. And Nancy gets mad at her. And then after she shuts the door, she's like, well, shit, I just gave her everything she needs to fabricate an alibi. So Nancy goes back home. Stephen is there. Um, Bill Gates. Bill Gates is there and he's like, oh my God, I'm waiting on a call from the extortionist, embezzler, thief, whoever, person with my software. The person calls and doesn't actually set up the meet to give the money, but the extortionist says that he wants Nancy to deliver the money. There was a silence for a few seconds. I'm quoting. The only sound was the ticking of the brass clock on Carson Drew's desk. Finally, Nancy's father shook his head. Absolutely not, he said firmly. I won't allow it, John Ham. Bill Gates leaned back in his chair, obviously relieved. I'm glad you said that. If anything were to happen to Nancy, I would never forgive myself. Hmm. Nancy looked at the two men. Wait a minute. Don't I get to say anything? Both men turned and stared at her. I want to carry the money, she said. For one thing, the extortionist probably sees me as insurance. He knows you won't try anything funny because you don't want me to get hurt. That means, Nancy... No, listen, that means he might get careless and slip up. I could pick up some clues. I might even see his face. You know, Carson, Stephen started to say, I'll be perfectly safe. You and Stephen will be tailing me in the car, right, Dad? The police will be there, too. Now, Nancy, please, Dad. Her father sighed. I can see this as a losing battle. All right, I'll let you do it. Like, he barely put into up any sort of fight at all. But I want you to promise me that you'll drop the money and run at the first sign of trouble. Sure, Jan. Like, oh, my God. So immediately, John Hamm is like, I mean, if you want to, you are my baby girl, and you get everything. I am the inventor of Toaster Strudel. You have access to a massive fortune of Toaster Strudel. Anyway, George is doing great. There's a lot of people gathered who want to watch the proceedings at the velodrome. Um, Monique Vandervoort is there. Um George wins the next thing over Monique, of course. So now Monique is not happy. I mean, she wasn't happy with George before, but now she's definitely not happy. Um, yeah, it's it's just kind of weird. Um, Nancy and Bess go over to George's house to have a sleepover with her because, again, like, it didn't make any sense for her to go to that hotel to go to the pool, but whatever the fuck, it's fine. They're having popcorn. George's mom is like, can you tell her to drop out of this race? Because I'm really not cool with it. And Nancy's like, I'll do what I can. Um, so they keep talking. Somebody tries to break into the house. Nancy picks up a desk chair to hit the person with because she doesn't have access to any other weapons. And when she is trying to pull the chair out into the hallway, she smacks it against the door frame <laughs> and wakes up everyone in the house, including the person who was broken in, who then like bolts from the room. Um, they go outside and they find a picture of George that has been affixed to their front door with a butcher knife. So that's fun. And Nancy's like, this is the last straw. We are Americans. We can't have this. The picture on, oh, I'm sorry, it was on the garage door. The picture on the Fane's garage door had been the last straw. No one had the right to terrorize innocent people and get away with it. No one. And, of course, she's decided that Debbie is the person who did this. Um, She walks by Debbie's door. Debbie's like, oh, Mom, I'm sorry. I wasn't home last night. I was out seeing friends. And Nancy's like, she was out late. 
so she's excited. Nancy goes back to tell her friends, and Ned's like, that's, like, super circumstantial, though. So, they're all debating whether this means that she's possibly a person or any, uh, the person who could have done this or anything, when John's like, um, I was with Debbie last night. After John's admission, things went a little crazy. Everyone began talking at once, while Nancy mentally assessed the damage to her theory, which I love that Nancy's like, first off, how does this affect my case? When everybody else is like, you two-timing, cheating asshole. Like, no, there's none of that. And John's like, that's not what you think. She just kept harassing me, so I agreed to go on a date with her. And I just wanted to tell her once and for all that we were not going to get back together. And all the women are like, that. That is such bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Absolute. George is like, we're done. Like, you can keep coaching me, but we are otherwise done. Which, of course, Bess is like, yes, drag him. Drag him. And in this case, as usual, we are all Bess. Um, Monique in the next race, like, kind of bangs into George, and then, like, everybody else, like, three other people bang into slash run over George, and so she's, like, kind of bruised up and banged up and everything. Um, George does re-enter the race. Everybody's, like, they take a break. I guess it's, like, NASCAR, where if, like, a car goes off the track, they're, like, let's just take five minutes and chill, IDK. Um, so George is like, I'm going back in. And so she actually is second place behind Monique. And then Monique is disqualified for being a dirty cheater. And then Monique is like, you were cheating. And George is like, what the fuck are you talking about? What I I got run over, you dipshit. Anyway, Monique's like, next time you won't be so lucky. Okay, the next chapter of the book is my favorite. Because when I read this as a child, I was like, this is so good. Um... They get instructions. Nancy needs to wear a bright white t-shirt so that she can be followed even in the dead of night, as she's going to be. It's 10 o'clock at night. Um, they, She has to go to a phone booth at the corner of... A phone booth? A phone booth! Um, at the corner of Maine and Maple, of course. There's an all-night drugstore right behind her, so that we've got plenty of good lighting. Um, half the River Heights... The detectives from the River Heights Police Department are also tailing her, along with um, Bill Gates and John Hamm who are here for moral support. So Nancy's waiting. It's exactly 10 o'clock. She's waiting for the phone to ring. The phone doesn't ring. And then she sees that there is a slip of paper tucked into the coin return. I love that I know what the coin return is. Good times. You have exactly 20 minutes to reach your final destination. If you do not make it, the program will be sold. Your next instructions are in the phone booth at the corner of Main and First. Run. So she gets out and she goes to the next location. Like, this is the first time I'd ever really been exposed to anything like this. And I was like, this is fantastic. I love it. It's like a scavenger hunt. So she goes to this. It says your next note is in the clown's mouth. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? So she's she figures out that it means a miniature golf course. Um, it says cross the interstate. So she crosses the interstate and she figures out that the reason she's crossing the interstate on foot is because that means it will be harder for the people who are tailing her to keep her in sight. They're going to have to take a long detour. So they were probably not going to be with her when she goes to the next place. Um, she ends up at the River Heights Aquarium, which if you were like, they have an aquarium. Yeah. Who'd have thought? It's called Ocean World. I love that they're like, SeaWorld is trademarked. <laughs> Um, it's 1023, so she's late. Um, there's a note that tells her that she needs to go in the door marked private, go upstairs, leave the money on the catwalk. When she opens it, and of course, things are creepy because it's at night. Um, 
it's above the killer shark tank. And if you were like, I know where this is going, you're 100% correct. They are not here to subvert your expectations at this point. Nancy goes to the middle of the catwalk. She drops the duffel bag full of money and she feels a hand on her back and the person shoves her into the killer shark tank. Because of course they do. Nancy wants to scream, but she also doesn't want to provoke the shark. At one point, she actually feels the shark's nose bump her leg and almost screams at that point. But she's like, no, 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 it's okay. Nancy wanted desperately to scream, but kept herself under control. Stay calm, she told herself. Just stay calm. All at once, Nancy remembered something she'd read in a book. Sharks were attracted by erratic motion. If that was true, she reasoned, then maybe she could make the shark ignore her by swimming evenly through the water and with smooth, regular strokes. I love that we're getting super meta here and that Nancy is remembering something that I would have read in a Nancy Drew book where it was like, if one is confronted by a shark, possibly just act natural. Anyway, it worked. She gets out of the tank. She manages to get back up onto the catwalk. Two minutes later, she was back outside in the parking lot. No one was there for a moment. Nancy stood absolutely still breathing in the warm, sweet night air. Then as loudly as she could, she screamed. And I'm like, I feel you for bottling that up and being like, I am full of nervous tension. An hour later, Nancy is changed into dry clothes. Um, Bill Gates is mad because he's like, I can't believe he would have done that to you. You ended up in a shark tank. Like, that's not cool. Um, do you think he'll try to extort more money? No, I think he's going to contact me for all the money they asked for originally. And Carson Drew is like, what the f- Are you saying that Nancy did not have the full million dollars? And Bill Gates is like, no, I kept half. <laughs> um, Bill Gates says that when he asked whether his software would be returned, the extortionist was kind of cagey about it. And so he decided to keep the other half million as insurance that he would get his software back. Again, I'm going to point out for the 50th time, there apparently was no copy protection on your disk. Um, so, yeah. The, they get a call and Nancy's like, how did they know to call our house? And I was like, that's an excellent point. Every single time the extortionist has called, they have called Carson Drew's residence. They have not called Stephen's home. As far as we know, Stephen doesn't have a home and just lives in the back of his van. We don't know. Um, the next morning, Nancy goes back out to the racetrack. John talks to Nancy. He's, Nancy's like, y- you fucked up, dude. You just, you just fucked up a lot. So he's like, Debbie and I just talked. And Nancy's like, then why do you look so fucking guilty every time you talk about it? And John's like, um, I didn't go out with Debbie just to get rid of her. I went out with her. I used to find her really attractive. I wanted to see if there was still something there between us. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, was there? And he's like, no, no. She's so weird and jealous and possessive and clingy. And like within half an hour, she was talking about us getting married. And no. And Nancy's like, oh, okay, um, tell George this. And John's like, she's going to fucking lose her shit at me. And Nancy's like, first off, you kind of deserve that. Second, how is that going to be any different from current where she's not speaking to you other than letting her coach, letting you coach her? And John's like, you ain't wrong. That's fine. Um, then they see some people running and screaming and there are some guard dogs that have George backed up against the fence. Now the guard dogs were actually instituted after the tent incident, just as like an additional security measure, but they've got George cornered and George is like, Nancy, call them off. And Nancy can't call them off because you know, they're not her dogs. Debbie shows up. You'll remember Debbie. 
Debbie's like, oh, oh, honey. And Nancy's like, get them away from her, Debbie. Don't be a dick. And so Debbie's like, okay. So she calls him off. And then she's like, it wasn't me. And Nancy's like, oh, really? It wasn't you? And Debbie's like, why would I attack her now? She broke up with John, which means that my path to him is clear. We'll be back together by nightfall. And Nancy's like, go fuck yourself. It's fine. Um, Nancy then sees the KGB agents and she's like, hey, um, just checking in. How's your girl doing? And they're like, shut the fuck up. Keep her name out of your mouth. And Nancy's like, well... I mean, I don't understand why you're so mad at George. And they're like, because she's interfering. She's she's trying to distract Tatiana from what she's here to do. Like, just, she just needs to stay the fuck away from her. So, at one point, Nancy goes to George and she's like, look, if you don't want to quit the race, I get it. But I'm pretty sure that the KGB agents are behind this because no one else seems to make sense for it. So, like, just don't talk to Tatiana. And George, to her credit, is like, no, I'm going to keep talking to her pointedly. I mean, Tatiana is represent, like, the way that she's represented in this book is that she's sheltered. She doesn't know that much about American life, and she's deeply interested in it. She likes rock music. She has similar interests to George, so they're they're bonding, and the KGB agents are like, no, we cannot have this. Um, after that day's race, they go out in the parking lot, and this guy is out there, and he's like, how much would you want to sell that bike for? And George is like, what the fuck? And the guy's like, I'll give you $5,000 for it. And George is like, um, sure. Um, do you want the derail yours and cranks with it? Or do you have your own? And the guy's like, what, what? And George is like, that's what I thought. Why do you want this bike? And he's like, "Uh, (laughs) 6,000. And George is like, fuck that shit. Then they hear a scream. They go over and Monique has been cornered by another dog. But not a guard dog this time, a poodle. And the book represents this as absolutely bonkers. They're like, it's just a tiny poodle. Nancy's like, how could somebody be afraid of a, a poodle? It doesn't actually say tiny. I was very, I looked at it very closely because I wanted to see if it said like miniature or teacup or toy or whatever. But no, it just says poodle. And if you're talking a fucking standard poodle, I mean, no judgment, depending on how you have had that haircut, that thing can look like a bear. Like, I get it. Like, don't be a dick. Anyway, so Monique's coach comes up and is like, she's always been afraid of dogs since she was a little girl. And so Nancy's like, okay, she didn't release the guard dogs to go after George. Debbie says that she didn't, and I'm inclined to believe her. So it has to be the KGB. has to be that. So Nancy talks to George again. She's like, you know, I, I think it would be better for you to, like, leave this off. And George is like, you know, I thought of everybody that you would understand because you have your cases and this is the thing that I'm dedicated to. And Nancy's like, okay, I'm just saying, I just want you to be safe. And you ain't, and it's okay. So, um, but George is really concerned about John. Like, and so that's what they talk about. They talk about Debbie and everything. And George is still not sure what to do. She's not sure whether to trust him, but anyway. The last part of the race is a road race in Summitville. Like, so they're going to be racing on the roads in Summitville. 
So Nancy comes up with a plan after George is like, I'm still going to race. So Ned is in the lead car. Like there's, it's like part of a motorcade. So the people who run the beginning of the route have their own cars. So Ned's going to be up there. There's the support vehicles at the end of the race. And Nancy's going to be in one of those. She has a walkie talkie so she can talk to Ned. And I was like, oh, that's right. They wouldn't have had cell phones. Um, So they talk back and forth throughout the race. They see they're going to take four laps around the town. They see George for the sec- the first one, the second one, the third one, but then they don't see her on the fourth one. So Nancy's like, okay, so either George was murdered during the race or she was kidnapped. And Ned's like, well, clearly the first one didn't happen. And Nancy's like, I love your optimism. Also, this is a book meant for middle schoolers, so she probably wasn't murdered. I don't know, though. I don't know. And it's like, somebody would have seen that. Like, uh, anyway, so they go inspect the trail. They find George's road bike. They find George, who was like unconscious behind a bush. They take her to the hospital. Um, but the race is over. Like, nobody's saying anything like, oh, well, it sucks that George was pulled out of the race and didn't get to finish. And maybe they're like, okay, we're going home. Bye. <laughs> Nancy's, of course, infuriated and, and, like, has no proof. She can't accuse the KGB. I was like, I love that we're circling back to the KGB. Who are the OGs, the ones from the first book in this series, where it's like, it was the Russians the whole time. But anyway. So Nancy's like, I don't I don't know what's going on. Um, then Bill Gates gets a call and it says, like, okay, it's time for you to deliver your other half of the money because I've, I've got to have the the disc that you want and Nancy's like huh huh so Nancy figures out that because she's like why wouldn't the person have just killed George why not like there she's clearly been smashed with something in the head but they didn't kill her so that wasn't the point she's like if it wasn't the point to kill George then what was the point and she's like the bike a lot of these incidents go back to the bike so it's peter who is the assistant bill gates's assistant who's been there for almost all of these scenes he was always like oh i'll adjust your bike seat for you oh i'll watch your bike for you oh i'll i'll do this and i'll do that and so but george found a hiding place for the bike and it wasn't her house and it wasn't anywhere that anybody would think of and so Peter couldn't find the bike, so he pulled George off the trail, asked her where it was, like threatened her, hurt her, and then after she gave up its location, um, he smashed her on the head with a rock and then went to go find the bike. So, yeah, good times. Nancy goes there to make sure that the bike is still there, and it is, and she's there when Peter comes up with bolt cutters, because of course he has bolt cutters. So Nancy's like, huh, well, this is awkward. And Peter's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, you're carrying fucking bolt cutters, you piece of shit. Like, what did you think was going to happen? But anyway, so Nancy's like, okay, you stole the program. You were, you assembled the bike as well. So um, I think that you, the night that you figured out what the password was, was the night that you were assembling the bike. So you put the disc into the bike to get it out of the building. The next night... You came in and faked the break-in so that nobody would associate it with you. So it would look like it was an outside job. Now, the thing is that he is 
Bill Gates' assistant, he doesn't seem to be a programmer. So that kind of explains how he's both interior and exterior. Like he's not a, he doesn't know enough to, to sell it to somebody else. But anyway, so of course, Peter has a big old gun. Um, Nancy actually grabs George's bike, which again has the disc in it and rides it away. <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. Um, but she's really got nowhere to go. She tries to go toward the exit, but there are like police barricades set up there. She's waiting for Ned to come in because um, she had called Ned earlier and told him what her plan was. And so he was on his way to the velodrome when she pulled up. Um, so yeah, she tries to get away from Peter on the bike. Um, he's shooting at her, which is nice. Um, she's like, I'm just a real big target. So she's trying to veer back and forth and get away from him. Um, eventually though, she decides that she's just going to run him down with the bike, which I find hilarious because it's a bike and she's just like, this will be fine. And she does. She, she runs him down with the bike. Um, the gun is knocked out of his hand. She grabs it. She holds it up and says like, I'm going to shoot you if you don't just give up or whatever. Anyway. Um, and so just at the psychological moment, of course, Ned arrives with like a dozen police officers and Nancy's like, Oh, thank God. And flings the gun on the ground because she was never going to shoot him and it's fine. Um, afterward, Nancy's like, huh, so Bill Gates, how did you feel about this? And Bill Gates is like, I had a feeling it was him because he was always obsessed with how much money I make. And when I finally told him, he seemed really bitter. Like he wanted to have some sweet, sweet Microsoft money and clearly was not smart enough to get it by programming. So cool. All's well that ends well. Um, George is woken up in the hospital. Of course, when they talk to her, they're telling her jokes and everything. John has finally admitted to George why he was with Debbie that night and has been like, but I love you. And George is like, and I love you too. And it's going to be great. And, um, Nancy's like, I just have one question. Like, why didn't you quit? And George says, because of you and Bess. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? We, we told you that we wanted you to quit. And she's like, I've always admired the two of you. You've got Nancy, you've got your mystery cases. You're so smart. And Bess is so incredibly pretty and all I've got is sports and so if I were to quit like it would be like a core part of my identity had been violated she doesn't say but she heavily implies and she was like I wanted that title so bad it, this is the biggest competition I've ever been in I wanted to be the person who won and Bess is like if you'd finished that road race you would have and George is like yeah I would have been first and Nancy's like we love you regardless, girl. You don't have to prove yourself by running a race. And Bess is like, we love you just the way you are. So, a note of affirmation to end on. So, yeah. Again, oh my God. Like, oh my God. There's there's just so much going on here. Like, he could have copied that bitch and sent it to like 17 different companies. Like, oh my God. Also, it's for office software. Uh, and I'm like... This is 1987, like Microsoft Word. I mean, what would eventually become the Microsoft Office suite? Like it existed, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, so they're like, it's going to, it probably had Clippy. That was probably the real thing. It had Clippy on it. And so they were just so deeply excited. But anyway, so again, my main takeaways from the, this book were Nancy's adventure in a killer shark tank, which I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And the fact that he hid the floppy disk, the floppy disk in the bike, like after they've got Peter under arrest and everything, they take the discs off the wheel and they find the, di the actual like computer floppy disk inside. So 
hooray I was like this seems like a spectacularly terrible place for you to put a floppy disk like it feels like it would not be safe like it even says that part of the bike is like threaded through the hole in the middle and I was like that sounds real real bad like oh my god I, I understand that you wouldn't want the disk to be like bouncing around in there and getting broken and rattling so that people would know about it but really though anyway and also Ned got to carry Nancy away from a fire, so I can't fault this book for any part of that. Our next book. Bess Marvin is thrilled when she gets to meet her favorite heartthrob of the soaps, Rick Arlen. But Nancy isn't so delighted. Rick's been receiving death threats, and she's been recruited to protect him. So, he's on a fucking soap opera. So, this is what the next book is about. So, stay tuned for Danger, which is was actually turned into one of the computer games. That's the one that we're going to be doing for next week. So, yeah. What have we learned? We've learned absolutely nothing, really. We've learned that if you're going to need to swim away from a killer shark, swim smoothly without making erratic movements. That's what we've learned. Also, if you're in a tent and it catches on fire, like, you better hope to God that Nancy's nearby to drag your sorry ass out of there. (laughs) So, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it, my friends. And as always, stay sleuthy.